you're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Oh, hi, Okazaimos! No. Huh? No. <laughs> what? So on this week's episode, we are going over Next to Normal. So, Amber, you got some information for us? Absolutely. So, Next to Normal is a 2008 American rock musical with book and lyrics by Brian Yerke and music by Tom Kitt. So, this musical focuses on a mother suffering from bipolar disorder and the effects that that has on her family. So, this musical addresses grief, depression, drug abuse, and so much more. So, it's going to be real happy. So, this is going to be a sad boy hour, but it's fine. I guess I wouldn't necessarily give this show a mama warning. It's got some dark content, but it's not necessarily inappropriate. However, there are a handful of F-bombs. So A handful in the first song. (laughs) (laughs) Language warning in the musical, but like subject matter isn't too inappropriate. So just putting that out there. Fair. So this musical began in 1998. So as a 10-minute workshop sketch about a woman undergoing electroshock therapy and its impact on her family. And this was called Feeling Electric. Yerky brought the idea to Kit, who then wrote a rock score for the piece. They both turned to other projects for a while, but they kind of kept thinking about this idea. And then eventually they expanded it to a full-length musical. The musical had a reading in 2002, and then it went to a few New York City venues. In 2005, it was workshopped again, and then in September 2005, the musical ran at the New York Musical Theater Festival. This attracted the attention of David Stone, a producer. The piece was workshopped again in 2006 and 2007. Meanwhile, Michael Grief joined the team, and they changed the show's focus to the family's pain rather than a critique of the medical establishment. The show was produced off-Broadway at the Second Stage Theater from January 16th to March 16th, 2008. The show received mixed reviews. It was criticized for its irresponsible message about the treatment of bipolar disorder. More major changes were made to the show after this, including the elimination of the title song and the focus narrowed more on the emotions of the family. Which, fair. The new version of the musical was given a regional theater production at the Arena Stage from November 21st, 2008 to January 18th, 2009. This production received rave reviews. It previewed on Broadway at the Booth Theater on March 27th, 2009, and officially opened on April 15th, 2009. Once again, great reviews. One of which being a breathtaking musical and the best new musical of the season by a mile. It set a new box office record at the Booth Theater, grossing $550,000 over nine performances. Yeah. Yikes. Why not? <laughs> it broke the same record again a year later with $552,000 over eight performances. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Nice. The producers recouped their initial investment of $4 million right after its one-year anniversary. Nice. At the end of its run, it grossed over $31 million, the most of all shows that have run at the Booth Theater. The show closed on January 1st, 2011, after 21 previews and 733 performances. Nice. So in May 2009, at the start of its Broadway run, the show began publishing an adapted version of the script over Twitter, which ran over 35 days, a single line at a time, until the morning of the 63rd Tony Awards. This earned the musical the 2009 OMMA Award for Best in Show. Amber, were you in charge of this? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was me. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Next Normal also won the Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding New Score. They won Drama Desk Awards for Outstanding Actress and Outstanding Score. 
They won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 2010. It won the Tony Award for Best Original Score as well. Nice. So lots cool. of things. Cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. The show had a North America and Canada tour from 2010 to 2011. And then the East-West Players produced a diverse and inclusive version in 2018. So it was extremely popular and won four Ovation Awards. The show was praised cool. for how its subject matter tied in seamlessly with its all-Asian cast as it's, quote, important to shed light on the stigma of mental illness in those communities. Neat. Yeah, very, yeah, agreed. That's amazing. Very much agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, do agree. <laughs> and then a short-term production ran at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. in early 2020. Oh, and then COVID. And then COVID. And then COVID. <laughs> Most likely. The show has been produced internationally and in native languages in Scandinavia, Asia, Australia, Peru, Mexico, Amsterdam, Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Russia. We are working off the original cast recording today featuring the original Broadway cast, Alice Ripley, J. Robert Spencer, Jennifer Damiano, Aaron Tveit, Adam Chandler Barat, and Louis Hobson. Warning, it is a very long soundtrack. There's like a disc one and a disc two, but you do get pretty much all of the story from the songs, which is awesome. We love that. Also, they're just super deep and dark and they're wonderful and they really go in depth about the issues and they're very emotional. We do strongly recommend everyone listen to this. It is, of course, on our Spotify, which is linked in the show notes as usual. Fun fact, Next to Normal contains several literary references, including Catcher in the Rye, Goodnight Moon, Flowers for Algeron, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and of course, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So with all of that uh, background information out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into our act one. Act one. So Diana Goodman, a suburban mother, stays up late waiting for her son Gabe to come home. Also awake is her daughter, Natalie, who is studying for a test and is overwhelmed with other homework. Diana encourages her daughter to take a break. Then Gabe comes on stage, his powerful verse overtaking Natalie's. Diana's husband, Dan, wakes up and helps the family prepare for the day. And this all happens in the song, Just Another Day. The first line sung of this show is, they're the perfect loving family. So, you know, some shit's about to go down. (laughs) At first, they seem like an average suburban family, but the lyrics hint at their instabilities. We also get great lines here like, what doesn't kill me doesn't kill me. Fair. Okay. Which is obviously a change to the phrase that we're more familiar with. And this shows that the family is truly struggling and not optimistic about it at all. Cool. (laughs) Going great. Diana starts helping, making sandwiches, but Dan and Natalie stop her after they realize that the sandwiches are just all over the kitchen. She made too many sandwiches. Don't you hate that? Oh god, sandwiches. (laughs) They're everywhere. And so Dan helps her and the kids leave for school. Natalie is frustrated. At school, she's practicing for an upcoming piano recital, and she starts to sing about Mozart. He might have been crazy, but his music was beautiful. And so she wants that too. She doesn't want to be known for her crazy. She wants to be known for her music. And so we see that she's a perfectionist. She wants to play until it's perfect and get into Yale. And this is the song, Everything Else. Meanwhile, she meets Henry, a classmate who has been admiring her from afar. He's kind of the hippy-dippy, eco-friendly stoner type, uh, but he's also a musician. And so where she's into classical music, he's into jazz and improv, but opposites attract. And so he, you know, walks in and listens to her practice and then they talk. Meanwhile, Diana is at her psychiatrist's office. It is revealed that she has bipolar disorder. She's prescribed a variety of medications, but they cause a bunch of side effects. The medication stuff is a bit exaggerated, but that kind of just goes to show you how overwhelming it, it can be to manage a diagnosis like this. Dana describes her relationship with her doctor, Dr. Fine, as something that is intimate and likens it to a romance, even though it's clearly not. Meanwhile, her husband is waiting in the car and questioning his own sanity. 
Is he crazy for thinking everything will be alright when it clearly isn't? This song actually takes place over seven weeks and is broken up by scenes of Natalie and Henry's growing relationship in the song Who's Crazy slash My Psychopharmacologist and I. Eventually, Diana is given a medication which numbs her entirely. The doctor declares her stable and sends her on her way. Which, no, no, stop. Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) Diana witnesses a romantic moment between Natalie and Henry in the song Perfect for You. So Henry is high, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. and talking about how the world is trash, but that's okay because he loves her. And they sing about how the two might be opposites, but they are somehow perfect for each other. I'm sure this will totally work out. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, of course. Definitely. Always does. What do you mean? Diana mourns her old life, longing for the days she lived in both pain and joy in the song I Miss the Mountains. During the song, she recognizes that she is jealous of Natalie's youth and joy while also knowing that her daughter needs a mother's presence in her life. But she can't be that. Not right now. She misses the highs and lows of life. At Gabe's suggestion, she flushes her medications. Oh. Dun-dun. Also not the best choice, but... You're listening to your son? Good decision. (laughs) So now that she's off her medication, you know, things are different now. She's back up into her mania. And so Dan thinks things are going great. Suddenly his wife is happy again and their relationship is good. Like they're even having great sex all the time. And so he just, wow. he's like, yeah, everything's great. <laughs> and so he doesn't realize that this is because she stopped taking her medicine. And so Dan arranges this big family dinner and he invites Henry to join them, even though Natalie insists against it because she doesn't want him intersecting with her crazy family, which is fair. Mm-hmm. So this is the song, It's Gonna Be Good. And so Diana brings a cake to the table to celebrate Gabe's birthday. Dan gently reminds her that Gabe died 16 years ago. Oh. oh. All the visions of him so far in the show have been hallucinations. Oh. Okay. Yep. Wah, wah. And this is the song, He's Not Here. So that's a here. bomb drop if they're here. Sure down. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, big yikers. Uh, so yeah, much sad. Upset, Natalie runs to her bedroom. Dan clears off the dinner table while Diana reveals that she stopped taking her medication. He tries to empathize with her, but she gets angry and says that he couldn't possibly understand what she's going through. She tries to get him to understand that being sad sometimes is not the same as having depression in the song You Don't Know. Also fair. Very fair. Mm -hmm. And so Dan begs her to let him help, reminding her of all he's done for her so far. But a vision of Gabe appears once again. Even as Gabe directs some lyrics to Dan, he represents Diana's mental illness. So he's reinforcing the distance between Diana and Dan. Gabe and Dan basically fight over Diana in this song, both like lyrically and physically. They're like both hovering over her on stage. It's really creepy. In the end, Diana clings to her son, rejecting Dan in the song, I am the one. Oh, yep. Poor Dan. And so Natalie, meanwhile, is venting to Henry about how her mother prefers Gabe over her, even though he's dead. So Gabe is this wondrous superboy while she's just invisible. Gabe shows up and sings the song while dancing around her. He's clearly, you know, literally and figuratively overshadowing her. And this is the song Superboy and the Invisible Girl. This is probably one of my favorites. Probably the one I listen to most often. It's just, it's a good one. (laughs) It's a favorite, everybody. It's a good one. This is totally my favorite (laughs) song. Since I have to say that every episode. This is a good one. So It's it's on the bingo chart, all right? Mm -hmm. So if you've got the bingo, here's this one. And so... Diana overhears all this and she comforts her daughter, saying that I love you as much as I can, which, ouch. Mm. That's a bit rough. She's trying, but clearly Natalie is not okay. Yeah. Diana visits a new doctor and they do some talk therapy and hypnosis. During this session, she sees Gabe again. 
He sings asserting dominance and control over her in the song I'm Alive. It's a very threatening song. He's alive. He's her worst fear. He's fire. He's destruction. He'll never die, etc. We see one of Diana's therapy sessions with Dr. Madden. He's walking her through an imagined scenario, walking downstairs and through a door. It's supposed to be hypnosis, but Diana is clearly not into it and keeps interrupting him. Eventually, it does work and she starts to talk. Diana reveals that she was unable to hold Natalie in the hospital when she was born. While not clearly stated, it's apparent that Diana and Dan had Natalie to replace the son they'd lost. Ouch. Meanwhile, Natalie botches her piano recital when she realizes her parents aren't in attendance. In the song, Make Up Your Mind slash Catch Me, I'm Falling. And I really like that song. Even though it's sad. (laughs) It is sad, but it is very, like, you can can kind of visualize what she's going through Mm -hmm. in the way that she sings it. I, I I really liked that. Diana's doctor encourages her to go home and spend time with Natalie. He wants her to get rid of Gabe's old things and let him go. Diana originally agrees, but then while sorting through the box, she is confronted by a vision of Gabe. The two dance. The song reinforces the weird sexual energy between Diana and Gabe. It's creepy. Mm -hmm. But basically this is just her last dance with him, with her mental illness, and then she's letting go. And the song is, I dreamed a dance. What? Gabe convinces her to commit suicide, as it's the only way they can be together. He sings of a world where they can be together, just the two of them. And Diana slits her wrists, and the song is, There is a World. Very sad. <laughs> That's the sad <laughs> That is a sad <laughs> Get a button for it. <laughs> After her suicide attempt fails, Diana is hospitalized. Dr. Madden says that electroconvulsive therapy is one of the only options left. Dan returns home to clean up the scene having basically a breakdown of his own as he reminisces about his years with Diana. He doesn't know what to do without her, but he also doesn't know who he is other than her caretaker in the song I've Been. Mm. Meanwhile, Natalie is angry that her father has agreed to the shock therapy. I mean, <laughs> it's terrifying. Good time for the whole family. Dan returns to the hospital and finds that so Diana has been aggressive with the staff about the confirmation of the shock treatment. Basically, she's seen shock treatments in movies where it's over-exaggerated and doesn't think that she's crazy enough to warrant such dangerous treatment. In the song, Didn't I See This Movie? Dan manages to convince her of the necessity of the treatment, saying it's the only way they can get back to normal. In the song, A Light in the Dark. Diana reluctantly agrees and signs the papers. They embrace, and we end Act 1. Well, man, this is really... I told uh, you it was sad boy hour. my heart. This is just a... Such a carefree and loving story. Uh-huh. American... Rock musical all about sadness. <laughs> yep. Yikers. It's a really tough subject to try and tackle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In musical form, especially. Yeah. I think it's amazingly done. I've loved this show for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like it's really cool on stage. So it's like a big, like, metal grid. So, like, the bottom floor is like the house and the hospital, and like, on the top floor is like the bedrooms and stuff. So it's like a super basic set design, I would say, but it's like pretty versatile as far as like what sets it represents. And then the cast is only these like few people. There's no like ensemble or like excess persons. It's just this family and the doctor. So it's bare bones. So it's it's very bare bones. You know, like I was saying, like this is very focused on those emotions and it's the power is in the lyrics and the songs and like... Also, the way that Aaron Tveit is really creepy on stage as he's like, you know, the stud guy. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So what, what, what's everyone's like, how do you feel about <laughs> the show? 
<laughs> so far. Sad. It's sad. Yeah. It's real sad. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I agree, like, it, it is a hard topic to tackle in any regard, and in musical form, it's like, it is really difficult, but I feel like this does present it in a way that's probably understandable for a lot of people. So, here, like, here's this person going through it, and here's what she's feeling, and you can feel it easier through this kind of medium, because a lot of people can't empathize with just, like, reading mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's kind of, it's, it's kind of neat how they decided to how decided to go through with something like this. Yeah, you definitely have to, like, know your stuff and, and tread lightly. Make sure you don't, like, <laughs> offend anybody. Yeah. Like, on, on this subject, because, like, a lot of people go through it. Maybe not to, like, this exact degree, but... No, it's making sense to me so far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's sad, but I, I like it. Yeah. It is really good music. I haven't gotten the chance to listen to the soundtrack yet. That's fair. Yeah, I almost finished it. I was, like, I had, like, eight songs left or something like that. Yeah. So that's why I definitely, like, strongly recommend people listen to this one. Because even though it's a sad musical, like, the music is bum. Like, it hits. <laughs> and you listen to it and you're like, yes! Ah! But, no! I mean, sad, but also, but also ah! powerful! Ah! I don't know. Is it, like, music ah! where if you're not listening to the lyrics, you're like, oh, this is great. And then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's about the meaning. Oh, no. Oh, it's pumped up kicks. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would I would say that because like I kind of had this in the background while I was doing work and like everyone else would be like, wait, what, what was <laughs> what? what was that? Go back. <laughs> but it is it is really good so far. No one has any more thoughts about Act One. Let's go ahead and jump into our theater fact, Kylie. It looks like you got a couple for us this week. Two facts. Yeah. So fact number one. Next to Normal won the Pulitzer Prize in 2010, but it wasn't even originally nominated. This was this isn't the first upset for this award either. In 1963, the board disregarded all of the nominations and didn't award the prize at all that year. Yep. Oh. Oh, the board said, no, y'all are trash. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Wonder how it feels to like be nominated and just be like, no, no one gets this. Not at all. <laughs> Would it be or worse than losing? A or... show that wasn't nominated wins. Yeah. yeah. And fact number two. This musical follows Saldheim's rule. Content dictates form. Basically, you take everything happening in a scene. The emotions, the time, the place, the tension, the characters' thoughts, and their relationships to each other. And put it all into a one container. The song. So in Next to Normal, the music and storytelling style matches the world. Kit sometimes plays two key signatures against each other, a clearly bipolar form. Diana's songs are layered and unpredictable. Dan is portrayed as musically erratic, matching his conflicting emotions. Gabe's songs are kind of creepy. <laughs> Natalie's songs are unpredictable like her mother's, but at a smaller scale. Plus, Yerky's lyrics are filled with rhymes and alliteration that build on each other and create energy all the way up to frantic desperation. Yeah, I mean... And listening to it, you can definitely tell, like, some of the things, like, it just sounds just slightly off. Mm-hmm. Not enough to be bad, obviously, but you're just like, oh, there's something going on deeper here. And I, I really like when music puts that much extra effort into it. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I come, like, something similar to that, like, from a, from a gaming world, where it's like, things can sound completely normal, but if the music gets, like, slightly weird at some point, that's, like, a key where it's just like, oh, something's yep. not right here. Yeah. 
Yeah, we pay attention to music a lot more than you might realize on a daily basis. Like, you don't notice when things sound fine. You notice when it sounds weird and off. A little bit off. Yeah, that's why music in horror films is such a really important thing to have correct, because that's that's actually what kind of scares people. Uh, Builds up the tension. Yeah. Those violin strings just... (laughs) (laughs) Like, right before a stab. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so super cool facts. Then let's uh, shock our way into Act 2. Oh, God. <laughs> let's medicate our way into Act 2. Uh, that's better. That's one that's way better. to do it. Somewhat. That could be that could be good or bad. True. <laughs> they can decide. All right. <laughs> let's have our therapy session yeah. into Act 2. <laughs> let's talk it out. Diana receives a set of shock treatments over two weeks. Meanwhile, we learn that Natalie has been acting out, going clubbing, and experimenting with drugs. Most nights, she is rescued and brought home by Henry. At one point, her and her mother seem to share a hallucination, and they're both kind of numb to their emotions now. In the song, Wish I Were Here, their paths are, like, directly lining up at this point. Super sad. They're parallel. Ooh. Ooh. Diana returns home from the hospital, but she's lost all memories of the last 19 years, including those of her deceased son. Oh. Fixed the problem, I guess. Sort of, kind of. Uh. Well, (laughs) Mm. Mm. (laughs) So... Even with the grief of her lost son gone, she still can't focus on her daughter because she doesn't remember her growing up either. This, of course, bothers Natalie because she continues to be invisible, and the song is a song of forgetting. Uh, I mean, and I think she deserves to be bothered. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) Henry and Natalie argue about Natalie's drug use, which is because Henry got her started with weed, but it's Natalie's fault because she took it farther with her mom's prescription meds. Ah. So they're like both sort of at fault and arguing about it and the two discuss breaking up but henry adamantly doesn't want that henry asks natalie to an upcoming school dance but she declines in the song hey number one listen he's just trying to be a nice guy and help his girlfriend out keep in mind they're in high school so like they're a little immature that's fair <laughs> and she's stealing prescription meds so mm, like, right you know typical she's high school experience <laughs> he's trying <laughs> yeah for sure Dan questions Dr. Madden about Diana's memory loss, but it's a common side effect of the treatment, and there's not much Dan can do other than just tell her about the missing memories. The song is Seconds and Years. Dan hesitates on this because Gabe's death was the start of her depression. At home, Dan and Natalie go through a box of old pictures with Diana, but leave out any mention of Gabe. Dan even changes some stories for the better as he retells them, like about their wedding. But Natalie is more realistic about it and is pointing out the terrible memories, like when their house caught on fire. Diana starts remembering small things, though, and the song is Better Than Before. However, afterwards, Diana has another hallucination of Gabe, which spurs her to think about what she's forgotten. Once again, Gabe is manipulating her, and he's saying things like, They remove me from your memory, I'm still there in your soul. Which, basically, just because she's forgotten things doesn't mean she's magically not depressed anymore. So at what point is the treatment worth it? According to Gabe, it's not. Although that's mostly because it killed him. Remember, he's the personification of her mental illness. Henry asks Natalie to the dance again, and she turns him down again. And the song is Hey, number two. Diana visits Dr. Madden. It's been a month since her shock treatments, and she still doesn't remember everything, which makes her feel super weird, which, fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Dr. Madden... However, accidentally mentions Gabe. Oh. Oh. Dummy. Whoops. He's like, what about your son? And she's like, what? Who's that? I have a son? And the song, You Don't Know, Reprise. 
And so Diana returns home and frantically searches through Gabe's old belongings, finding a music box. Dan finds her revisiting the night he died and ends up having to remind her that their son died of an illness that all the doctors missed. So basically he was... He was still an infant when he passed. It was, like, right after they'd had him. Uh, and he was just, like, sick, and they didn't know what was wrong, and they took him to the doctors, but he passed. So it was just one of those, like, infant things. Sudden infant st- SIDS? Uh, not necessarily SIDS, but just he was sick, and they didn't know. there wasn't anything they could do, and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't do anything fast enough, I guess. So it's not actually stated, like, what he had, but I don't think, you know, I don't know if they know that, much less that we need to know that. But he was a baby and he died. A baby. It's very sad. And so during the song, Dan finally starts to deal with his own grief in the song, How Could I Ever Forget? Also, like, if he died and he was a baby, why is she imagining him as, like, an adult? Probably because <laughs> it's creepy that a connection way. <laughs> with him. So as time yeah. goes, he goes and gets older. older. Maybe it's just because, yeah, she held, held on to that grief since he was a child. So that, like, mental image... Has just grown over the years, mm-hmm. much like her illness has grown over the years. Yeah, weird. Also, like I, I would imagine from a parent's perspective, you would try to like imagine what your kid would look like. Kid would look like growing up. So I don't think it's like that far out of the realm of things. That's fair. Their their relationship they're having with each other is no no. But yeah. <laughs> so Dan insists on getting Diana back to a doctor for more shock treatments and thinks that things can still be okay. He's holding out hope. Meanwhile, Diana cries out asking what her son's name is. Oh. She like still trying to remember him, right? And so this is a song, It's Gonna Be Good Reprise. The two end up arguing, and Natalie witnesses it. Diana asks Dan why he stays, despite everything, and he reminds her of their wedding vows. Meanwhile, Natalie runs upstairs to her bedroom, where Henry is waiting, because he's just like always there, I guess. <laughs> I love her now. <laughs> yeah. And so he pledges to stay with her and support her no matter what. And this is a song, Why Stay? Slash A Promise. And so we've seen a lot of parallels so far between Diana and Natalie. But here we are seeing the parallels between Dan and Henry. So they're both struggling with women who are going through mental health issues. And they're pledging to support them through their troubles. But they're going about it in different ways. Yeah, they're trying to be good boys. They're, they're trying. Not necessarily working out, but they're trying. And so Diana sees Gabe once again and is entranced by him thus being drawn away from Dan in the song I'm Alive reprise. Once again, he's all creepy and threatening and manipulating Diana and talking about how all the medicine has failed because he's still there. Dan begs her to stay, but Diana leaves and visits Dr. Madden. She's frustrated that nothing has helped and wonders if all the medication is worth it. She wonders if the depression is because of her grief and not because of a chemical imbalance. Therefore, medicine and treatment will never help. And the song is The Break. Dr. Madden begs Diana to stay with him for more treatment and meds, but she leaves. And the song is Make Up Your Mind slash Catch Me I'm Falling reprise. Outside the hospital, she connects with Natalie for the first time. She wishes that she could have been a better mother. Natalie points out that she doesn't need a normal life. A next-to-normal one would be okay. Oh, this is, this is oh. That's the name of the musical. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> the two note their similarities. They embrace and agree that maybe they will get by somehow. Diana drives Natalie to meet up with Henry at the dance in the song, Maybe. At the dance, Natalie voices her concerns to Henry that she will become her mother, but he promises to stand by her in the song, Hey Number 3 slash Perfect For You reprise. Back at home, Diana tells Dan she's leaving him. Finally, Diana seems to be having a moment of clarity. 
Their relationship has been passionate but flawed and unhealthy for a long time. Both of them are broken and they have to deal with their grief on their own. If someone always catches you when you fall, you don't truly know what it's like to fall to the ground. And the song is So Anyway. Dan is devastated. I mean, obviously. Mm-hmm. He looks back on his years with her and sees Gabe for the first time. He fights against it, but Gabe actually wraps his arms around him and insists that he isn't letting go. And the song is I Am The One Reprise. Dan greets him by name, then Gabe disappears. Fun fact, this is the first and only time Gabe's name is said out loud in the show. Ooh. I think that's really cool. Like, this whole time he's... Yeah. Like, we've been saying the name during the script, like, but it's unknown through the whole show. He's just this, like, mysterious character. It's just been the son or whatever? Yeah. Yep. Their first kid? Mm-hmm. Finally, he's called out, and then he's gone. <gasps> <laughs> Natalie returns home from the dance to find her mother gone and her father crying over his grief and loss of both Diana and Gabe. They sing together, recognizing the main message of the story, which is basically that recovery is a process. It's difficult, but hope for the future, however small, is worth it. And here we come to an end. Natalie continues her relationship with Henry. Diana has moved in with her parents. She's still depressed, but now she's hopeful for the future. Dan reaches out to Dr. Madden, who gives him the name of another psychiatrist to talk to. Gabe is seen by the audience one last time, relaying a message of hope that is opposite to the threatening persona he's had the rest of the show. The family is finally adjusting to their new way of life. All the voices grow and blend together at the end, as you know, supporting each other. In most showings, all the characters line up on stage together as they finish the song, which is called Light. And that's how the show ends. Yep. I thought it was going to end way worse. <laughs> yeah. So it actually has a really hopeful ending. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It needs that. It's not like perfectly wrapped up because there's still That's mental illness. They're still yeah. struggling. But. Like actually nothing got magically fixed really. Yes. Right. Like they came to their own conclusions that they do have to find like a recovery, but it's not. Yeah. Just poofed. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really solid message to give. Yeah. yeah like. Nothing can be instantly fixed. Like, the electroshock treatment isn't just going to make your problems go go away. And despite what musicals have been telling us all this time, love does not solve everything. Yeah. Good boys can still try. Yes. <laughs> good boys can still be good boys. So yeah, that's the show, everybody. What do we think about it as a whole? Good. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> good and sad. It's like the opposite of a lot of musicals, where it's like, Good stuff through most of it, and then, like, you have small chunks of bad. This was, like, bad stuff through everything, <laughs> small chunks of good. Small chunks of light and hope. Yes. Yeah. Which, I think it makes the rest of it more poignant. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, this is this is actually bad stuff that people actually go through, mm-hmm. but don't give up. You know, there's still, there's still hope for you. There's still options. There's, you know, still people that are willing to support you and all things like that. Yeah, and uh, compared to other shows we've covered, this feels very real. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, that's true. It's, it's not hard to imagine a family going through this or placing yourself in the shoes of any of the main characters. characters. Except for maybe Gabe. Gabe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to be the mental illness baby ghost. <laughs> I want to be the personification of mental illness. Mm. Yeah. 2020. What's up? Dancing weirdly with my mother. <laughs> I heard you wanted some depression. It's your boy. (laughs) Yes, this this is a good show. I yeah, I would recommend listening to this one because it just is so full of emotion and and a tough subject. As I keep 
bringing up. It's, you yeah. know. I can see why I got all the awards. Yes, I can. And, I, and I'm glad uh, they kind of revamped it after it got such bad reviews because it was kind of like shitting on the medical community. Mm-hmm. And this feels more realistic to like how the process actually goes because every psychiatrist is going to handle your situation differently and not all of them are going to do what's best for you and your family. So you kind of have to shop around kind of and figure out what works for you. And don't ever settle for something that makes you, you know, lose feeling in your toes, as she mentions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I could definitely see it's like, yeah, the medication makes me not depressed, but I don't have a life anymore. Like, yeah. that's, I imagine, hits home for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. It's a sucky thing, you know? Mm-hmm. You has gotta find, you gotta find your own path to recovery. Mm-hmm. This one just, it just has a special place in my heart. Like, there are some songs that I'll listen to when I'm more down, because it's like, yes, I'm down and I want to feel down. But I really like that message of hope. That, like, you know, this family may not have been optimistic at first, and, you know, things may not be going well for them, but they're trying. Right. And I think that's that's the best ending we could have hoped for, because anything else would have been wrong. True. So. Yeah, it is kind of interesting that a story at the end, not a whole lot has resolved. Mm-hmm. Like, the only major change is, I guess, Dan accepting Gabe's death in a way. Yeah. But, like, for everybody else, it's like, the issues are still there. So that that's kind of an interesting ending to it yeah. but i like it it good it good yeah Yee. yeah so we got any more closing thoughts about this one it's great take listen the time to listen to it i'm going to go do the listen it is in our spotify as always and yes put aside some time because it is a longer one so just know that going into it but it is well worth the listen and if you do get the chance to go see it I do recommend hopefully it'll come back maybe after uh, covid kind of figures itself out and gets out of here and once everything opens back up, I would be, I would love to see it. You know, it is technically like an older show compared to some of the ones we have covered, but it, obviously it still did something this year. So yeah, I have hopes that it'll, it'll roll back around yeah. for us and we get to see it. Oh yeah. If you've had seen it, tell us what it was like. You can find some clips online. So if you YouTube it, you can find some like song clips. You may not be able to find a full recording. I haven't looked too hard for that, but it's probably out there. So if you have seen this show and you want to tell us about it, which we always uh, enjoy, you can email us at saveanislesseat at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at saveanislesseat on Twitter. We love to hear from you, and we would love the interaction on Twitter. And since Amber really likes the show, this is a great way to talk about it. She'll hit you up with all the hashtags. All the hashtags. She'll tweet out the first line of every song. (laughs) No, she won't. That'd be too much. But it's an option. She could. She could. She probably would. It's, It's a threat. (laughs) we really enjoyed doing this and if you have any shows that you would like to recommend for us to do you can always email us or tweet us we would love to see what you have in store and also if you want to start using our hashtags we can find your guys's tweets about the show that'd be super cool and you can either use the hashtag save me an aisle seat or the hashtag smaas which i believe that's also a hashtag for another thing so yeah we gotta beat them out become the more dominant we're the best (laughs) smash Yeah, so you can use either one. We we do look through those since we can find you, and we'll give you a retweet and everything like that, because we we, we want to know what you, you guys think about the show. It's really cool to interact that way. If you would like to listen to more shows that we are a part of, you can go to www.ragtagnetwork.com, where you can find other shows like uh, Total Tomfoolery, which Matt and I are on, which is a D&D podcast, 
Or you can listen to Back of Bones, which it, the mama produces, and she is doing wonderful as well. She just put out another episode. We will hopefully have more podcasts in the future, so please look forward to that. You can find all that information on our website. If you would like to support us and the other shows under our umbrella, you can go to www.ko-fi.com slash ragtagnetwork. Any and all donations help go to support the podcast and bring you more shows and hopefully upgrade our technology in the future. So we appreciate any and all help from that. We are super close to getting 1,000 downloads. So if you could tell your yeah. friends and family and coworkers and anybody who will listen to listen to our show and get those numbers up, we are almost at our 1,000 downloads. We want to get there by the end of the year and, you know, kick off 2021 with a bang. So... Let's do it. Yeah, that would be a super cool achievement right before the end of the year. Right before the end of the year. And we are really close, so any and all help is appreciated. Again, just tell your tell your friends and family about it. If, and if you subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll get notified the second that it goes to the RSS feed. So you don't have to wait around for some of the other places to get it. You get it first, even if there's delays on Apple, even if there's delays on Google. You will get it in your notifications as soon as I post it. It's great. So subscribe. Yeah. And if you want to leave us a review, that's also super helpful. It helps get us in front of more audiences. And it specifically works on Apple. Their algorithms are a little different from everybody else's, so reviews are super appreciated there as well. So thanks, guys. I think that will close out this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. We really appreciate you listening to it, and we hope to see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. I love how you wave even though no one yeah. can see you. <laughs> People can feel it. They can feel your wave. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. We do this show for fun, but if you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtagnetwork. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.